Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 599. We'll start off with a thank you to National Public Radio's Weekend Edition Saturday. Host Scott Simon and producer Ned Wharton for welcoming us back to their amazing program yesterday morning. If you'd like to hear the segment we did about feeding birds and defeating squirrels, look for the link on our TalkinBirds.com website homepage. No G in talking, Or on our Facebook page or on the NPR Weekend Edition Saturday website. It's the middle of November, well past breeding season for North American birds. In the spring, we see birds pecking at their image on windows and car mirrors, usually because they think they're seeing a rival bird instead of their own reflection, and so they go on the attack. But just this week, we've heard numerous reports of birds doing this now in mid-November. Glenn Williams, who's a contributor to a bird forum here in Massachusetts, Mass Bird, has a pretty good explanation for this. He says, many birds have a brief burst of reproductive type behavior in the fall when the photo period matches that of the spring. The hormones kick in, but this is short-lived. As the days keep getting shorter, the hormones are turned off again. It's why you hear some singing in the fall and even see some birds carrying nesting material. That's from birder Glenn Williams here in Massachusetts. So if a cardinal is banging on your kitchen window, he's probably not trying to get in to chow down on the grape nuts in your cereal bowl. He's just briefly reliving the excitement of the days of spring courtship. More about crashing into windows in a more serious fashion with Mike O'Connor in a little bit. If you're spending some daytime minutes or hours, meanwhile, looking up at the sky for birds this coming week, don't forget to look up at night to to see the supermoon. Supermoon, a new term, or kind of a new term anyway, for when the moon is full and closest to the Earth in its elliptical orbit. And it will happen tomorrow, Monday, November 14th. And at almost the same time that the closest point is reached, the full moon will peak, really wowing viewers and causing as well higher than normal tides along our coasts. Of course, with sea levels rising all over the world, this phenomenon is increasingly not only beautiful, but kind of scary. Meanwhile, three meteor showers, the South Torrids, the North Torrids, and the Leonids occur in November. And the planet Saturn will drop low on the horizon, crossing paths with Mercury around November 25th. While on the last day of November, the crescent moon will pop back up into view in the west, with Mercury in view close by. Lots to see in addition to birds in the November sky. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Why do so many seabirds eat plastic trash in the ocean? 
New research indicates that they may be attracted to the smell of that plastic. We like the songs of birds, but what do they think of human songs? A new installation in Brooklyn seeks to find out. And some good news for the threatened greater sage grouse. It's a comprehensive science plan for their habitat. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Well, we'd like to say thanks to our newest Talkin' Birds ambassadors, including Ethan in New York, Bill in Rhode Island, Yvonne in a state that we haven't identified yet, and Chuck in Minnesota. Would you like to become a Talkin' Birds ambassador? It's pretty easy. We send you some cards and you hand them out to your friends. That's about it. If you'd like to help us spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation, please visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and click on the Contact button up at the top, and then just choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option via the Contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And we're sending a special thanks to Chuck in Minnesota, who sent us a very kind note about our show and told us he's buying shade-grown coffee for holiday gifts this year. Way to go, Chuck. And he also asked if we might resume airing conservation quotes, as we've done in the past. And how could we say no, especially when Chuck has primed the pump by sending us a great quote? It's from the legendary conservationist Aldo Leopold. And it says, We shall never achieve harmony with land any more than we shall achieve absolute justice or liberty for people. In these and higher aspirations, the important thing is not to achieve, but to strive. It's a quote from Aldo Leopold, provided to us by our friend Chuck Draper up in Mankato, Minnesota. And thanks again, Chuck. On last week's show, we talked with our man Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Bird Watchers General Store about that wonderful, if often underappreciated, bird, the blue jay. But if you're in the eastern half of the U.S., you may not realize just how many other jay species there are in North America. Seems like it'd be worth pointing out. Would you believe at least 10 other species? In addition to the blue jay, we also have the brown jay, the gray jay, the Mexican jay, the pinion jay, several scrub jay species, the stellar's jay, and the spectacular green jay. Jays, providing even more reasons to look up at the sky. We'll catch up with Mike again this morning, and this time we'll talk about birds not pecking on windows but crashing into them and a possible new solution to the problem that Mike has come up with. That's in our Let's Ask Mike live segment. Also this morning, we'll welcome the one, the only, the birdist, a.k.a. Nick Lund, a regular contributor to National Audubon's Audubon.org website with another of his birdist's rules of birding. Number 13, behold the bounty of the sea. And up next, in Nick's honor, we will head out to sea to meet today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, We care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. 
Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Sue McGrath from Newburyport Birders had this to say in a MassBird.org posting. Through my scope, a Razorbill's profile makes me think of the farrier's friend, the anvil. Some anvils have a horn at both ends. The Razorbill, with its large, heavy bill and long, pointed tail, fits the anvil profile perfectly in my mind. She continues... I've heard Razorbills described as small, black-and-white Viking ships, and I think that suits their Baltic sea life on the Scandinavian peninsula. Well, thank you, Sue. Part of the Razorbills' scientific name comes from the Icelandic word for this bird, alka, which is thought to sound like the call of the Razorbill, like this. The razorbill is a member of the alcid family of ocean-going birds that come to land only to nest. They dive using just their wings for propulsion, and in the case of the razorbill, sometimes capturing several fish per dive in their sharp, laterally compressed bills. The razorbill is considered to be the closest relative of that very large, now extinct alcid, the great auk. Today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, the bird with the anvil, or Viking ship, profile, Alka Torda, the Razorbill. Thanks again for being with us here on our show, number 599. Hope you'll follow us on our website, TalkinBirds.com, and on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. We're now happy to welcome a man whose insightful avian observations you'll find at Audubon.org. He's Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist. He's on the phone with us right now. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Great to have you back with us again. Your Birdist Rules of Birding number 13, Nick. Behold the bounty of the sea. Behold the bounty of the sea. That doesn't... Is that uh, lobsters and sushi-grade tuna, or are we talking about something else here? I mean, it, it could be that. I'm not <laughs> ruling that out. But uh, I'd like to focus on birds. All right. Uh, Makes sense. Especially birds that sound as beautiful as that razor bill. What a, what a lovely call that guy has. That is uh, music to anyone's ears <laughs> to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, seabirds, and as soon as people hear about seabirds, or a lot of people, uh, well, would think, I'd love to go out there and see seabirds, but uh, we know what can happen out on a boat in a choppy sea, right? Yeah, you know, everybody loves going out to sea because there's really cool birds out there, but uh, a lot of people think the only way to see it is to get out on a boat, and a lot of people have trouble with boats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't get me wrong, I love going out on pelagic seabird trips. I love it. Uh, it's exciting. It's adventurous. Um, but there are uh, a lot of cons to those pros, I think. Um, one of which is that uh, is the big S, seasickness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have some cool terms uh, around that. You've explored that before. Is that right? Uh, yeah. The, the one about uh, the first you were afraid you might die and then you were afraid you won't die. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad seasickness can be. Yeah, yeah those of us who have been seasick knows, uh, know that it is, it is unpleasant. Um, so, you know, but what people need to realize is that there's more than one way to see these birds. 
and uh, the Bounty of the Sea is all about sea watching, which is uh, for those of us, for those landlubbers, it's a much easier way to get out there and see some of these birds and also stay warm and also not get seasick. And also you can use a scope uh, to see these things more closely. So um, I want to encourage everyone here, especially this time of year as we're getting into the winter, to get out there and do some sea watching. So for somebody who's never tried this, uh, Nick, let's say we're, let's talk about the East Coast. We're, we're both on the East Coast here. What, what, can, what can people expect to see if they go out to, uh, uh, let's say they're out on Cape Cod or they're down in, we're near where yeah. you are in, in, in D.C., in the shorelines out that way? Sure. Um, D.C. is not so well. It's all right itself. A lot of people out here go out to coastal Delaware, the, place, the Indian River Inlet. Um, this is the time of year when a lot of uh, seabirds will sort of uh, come a little bit closer to the coast. In the summertime, a lot of them are sort of focused around their breeding colonies, and so, you know, you can take boats out to these islands, which is fantastic, um, but otherwise sort of hard to see some of these birds. But um, we're looking for uh, alcids in large part, so those razor bills you mentioned before, also dove keys and mirrors, uh, guillemots. Uh, and also cool ducks that, uh, you know, breed in the, in the far north and then come down in the winter, um, like uh, eiders and then the crazy, uh, if you get lucky, uh, king eiders, um, golden eyes. Uh, if you're lucky, you can see harlequin ducks, which are just incredible looking and very weird looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, so it's not only those two, but also the seabirds that you'd expect to go see on a flagic trip, uh, like Jaeger. Mm. Uh, and crazy gulls and skuas, if you're very lucky, and shearwaters, although not so much in the in the winter. Um, so basically, all the birds that you would expect to uh, to find um, way out to sea, uh, you can, if you get lucky, and if you you know if you work hard enough, you can see from shore at some point. And you can see some action out there too. You can see, if you see a parasitic Jaeger, for example, trying to grab a crab from a herring gull, for example, some real acrobatics going. Oh on yeah. There. Or grab the herring gull itself. <laughs> right. Yeah, and gannets diving into the sea. There's some really spectacular oh, stuff. I'll never forget the first time I saw gannets. It was from the uh, aforementioned uh, Indian River Inlet in Delaware. And I just looked out, and I, I didn't really even know what gannets were, and I saw these big, gigantic birds just arrowing down into the ocean with a big splash. Uh, it's something you'll never forget. And it's, you know, it's much easier to actually uh, enjoy, I think, the sight of these birds from land than from the boat where you're rocking all around and it's mm-hmm. hard to sort of stay steady uh when you're on shore you can really take a nice long look at at yeah. uh, the behavior of some of these birds that are yeah. coming by you might actually even want to look at them when you're on shore yeah, <laughs> instead of just <laughs> curling up in a ball inside the cabin <laughs> well you mentioned about using a scope which is certainly a good thing and certainly some good uh, binoculars helps uh you, you've done a fair amount of this nick uh, do you have any recommendations on kind of a scope what kind of binocs to have out there yeah i mean um all scopes are good uh it's it's getting a scope if you're a beginner is really about just getting started there are some um some lower price scopes that do the job just as well scopes can get very expensive and Mm -hmm. it's sort of a daunting uh, hurdle for a lot of new birders um but on the on the flip side you know having a scope really makes a big difference um, you know, it's it's really the the power is much greater than even the best binoculars. And uh, when you have a tripod, you can hold it steady, so you can see things you know much clearly, uh, much more clearly, and much more much farther away. So I would recommend you know looking uh, at you know mid to lower price scopes to start out. 
uh, you get your feet wet, and then you'll quickly realize that um, this is something, you know, this is worthwhile, and then you can start start saving up for the good ones. And, and, uh, and there's a, l- a little secret, too. If you go out with the group, people are really willing to let you use their scopes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I highly recommend sea-watching with other folks. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it is sort of standing and waiting. Uh, it's a very, I call it in the column, a very zen type of birding, because you're sort of there, you're enjoying the... the, the movement of the ocean, the crashing of the waves, uh, and, you, and you sort of relax. Uh, and so it's good to have someone to talk to. It's good to have someone there with you. Um, it's also good to have someone uh, who can, you guys can help convince each other that that little black and white blur you just saw was a Manx Shearwater or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll confirm that. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw that too, <laughs> definitely. Nick, remind us how we can find you and your Birdist's Rules of Birding. You can go to audubon.org um, I don't, and then search for Nick Lund or search for Birdis Rules of Birding. That's the way I find everything. Just go to Google and type Birdis Rules for Birding or Nick Lund Audubon. Uh, you can also go to thebirdis.com and you can find me on Twitter at thebirdis. Nick Lund, a.k.a. the Birdis. Thanks for being with us, Nick. We'll see you out you on the shore right. somewhere. I hope so. All right. Take care. Coming up here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The holidays are coming, and so is the cold weather. You're busy, but don't forget about the birds. They need the best food they can get, and Audubon Park Wild Bird Food provides the nutrition birds need to survive and thrive. Make time to feed your backyard birds this month with every bird's favorite food from Audubon Park, a family-owned business that appreciates yours. And be sure to check them out on Facebook for great bird food giveaways. Audubon Park Wild Bird Food, proudly made in the USA. Hi, it's Ray with your invitation to join us in the Galapagos Islands with Sunrise Birding. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who'll show us giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and incredible birds, including Darwin's famous finches. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. And there are now just two cabins still available. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. You're eligible to win here at our Mystery Bird Contest if you haven't been a winner in the last six months. And if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, remember, you can hear it live every week online, no matter where you are. Just go to talkingbirds.com to see how to do it. It's very easy. 781-837-4900 is the number on the Mystery Bird Contest. Hope you'll jot that down or commit it to memory and, in fact, call it as soon as you can so that we don't run out of time for your call here on the Mystery Bird Contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Our prize is the Droll Yankees New Generation Finch Feeder the attraction of a finch sock, but the durability of metal. It even has a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. That is always a good thing. 781-837-4900 is the number. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. You've heard this bird probably. I think this one's going to get guessed pretty quickly. We'll see. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with kind of a large head and large eyes and a pointed crest and a stout bill combining to produce a distinctive silhouette 
our bird, which is a non-migratory resident in virtually the entire eastern half of the country, is a soft silvery gray above and white below with a rusty or peach-colored wash down the flanks. It feeds on insects in the summer and mostly seeds and berries in the winter. Tell us what it is, and you'll win that Droll Yankees feeder. Or take a guess, and you may still win it, because the drawing will determine our winner if no exactly correct answer is received. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor down at the Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Happy holidays! Here's some hot holiday news from our friends at Birds and Beans, purveyors of certified shade-grown bird-friendly coffee. It's the New England Christmas Box. Each artisan-crafted box is made of sustainable pine and cedar from the state of Maine. Inside the box, a two-pound bag of delicious Birds and Beans coffee in your choice of roasts, including decaf, and three 10-ounce jars of Vermont-based Blake Hill Preserves, blueberry, strawberry, and raspberry, lovingly handmade from local sustainably grown whole fruits and no artificial ingredients. By the way, a portion of the proceeds from the sales of Birds and Beans Coffee helps support the educational and conservational efforts of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. And that's just one of the reasons we love Birds and Beans Coffee here at Talking Birds. Get your New England Christmas box from Birds and Beans now for the holidays. Find it at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, that bird feeding expert and inventor, Mike O'Connor, down at the Birdwatcher's General Store, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike. Well, good morning, Ray. Good to hear the music playing this morning. Got that music for you whenever you when, on demand, whenever you want it. You can call up; we'll play it for you whenever you like. No, hey, I like that on demand thing. That's good. We talked about birds pecking on windows, but you're you're here to talk about something a little more serious than that. Is when they actually crash into windows. But you have uh, what invented uh, something to to uh, mitigate this problem. Well, I'm working. Well, working on it. I've, yeah, I got a little desperate. I mean, I think we all know, and I think every. I mean, if you think about it. Everybody's had a bird hit their window. Sometimes they survive, sometimes they don't. But if one dies per house, and I think we all lose one each year, multiply that times the number of buildings in the country and mm-hmm. just think of how many millions. birds we lose. So it's really in the millions. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. And we sell all kinds of decals and that have been somewhat successful, maybe not that as successful as we hope, but there's not a lot of alternatives. But I had one particular window where I couldn't, no matter what I did, I, I couldn't, stop them and i was losing wax wings and finches and kinglets and i tried all the decals that we sold that they weren't helping so what i did is i went out and, and got the this reflective mylar scare tape that gardeners use to keep the birds away from their garden and i we use it we sell it to help the people keep the woodpeckers from drumming on their house it's worked mm. there and so I know this is going to sound a little like a Martha Stewart show here, but I went out and got some suction cups, the kind you would hang like a, a sun catcher on your window with a little hook, and I, I stuck those on the window, and then I, I tied a couple of strips of this Mylar tape to the hook on the suction cups, hmm. and it kind of blows and it shines, and, and so far so good. It's been a, several months, and it's, you know, it's right hmm. by the front door, and I don't know why they came to this window, but they always did, and it was always a problem, and so far so good. Of course... My life's my life thinking hates it. My wife, she's complaining all the time because, uh, you know, the front door looks like a Mardi Gras parade. But so far, it's worked. So anybody who's got a problem in the window, they might want to consider something that's 
more moving than the stagnant decals that we've tried in the past. It's slightly unsightly, but it seems like the fall is the worst time. You know, there's a lot of migrants, a lot of young birds that aren't used to our windows, and, um, and, and I think the angle of the sun probably doesn't help, too. It makes more of a reflection. So if you can get some of this Mylar tape and attach it, I use suction cups so I could take it down if it really became a, a, a nuisance to take it back up when, when it was a, uh, you know, wasn't when it was a more of a problematic time. Um, that that that's my you know new invention. Mm-hmm. So if you don't m- mind your house looking like a Mardi Gras float, give it a try. Yeah, like your like your like your wife does. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to give her a call and I'll tell her I'm from the Avian Window Crash Mitigation Institute, and that you're using scientific methods. Oh yeah, to, that, uh, that'll make me break, look better. I break think new ground better. here. Yes. Yeah, I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on the front of your house. So you're doing a, a double Venetian blind study on this. Am I right. right, it's all for science. Just okay. tell her it's in the name of science, and she might go down. You know, there, there might be a what do they give uh, Pulitzer prizes or whatever they give for science. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, that'll be, you'll start there. Anyway, <laughs> go, up, go up from there. I can't wait to make that call, Mike, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks for the help on that one, right? Appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Meanwhile, we're back at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this bird. You know this one. A small songbird with a large head and large eyes and a pointed crest and a stout bill combining to provide a distinctive Silhouette, our bird, which is a non-migratory resident in virtually the entire eastern half of the country, is a soft silvery gray above and white below with a rusty or peach-colored wash down the flanks. Feeds on insects in the summer and uh, seeds mostly and berries in the wintertime. 781-837-4900. Let's see, where are we going, uh, Jesse? Uh, uh, going to uh, Jim up in Essex, Massachusetts on the beautiful... North Shore of the Commonwealth. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. How's it going up there, Jim? A little chilly Very up good. on the North and Shore? Have, yeah, it's just, just, yeah, it's a perfect day up here on the North Shore. Yeah. All right. Um, I'd like to, to guess that it's a tufted titmouse. Tufted, tufted, I thought that was easy to say. For you, it was. Tufted titmouse. Absolutely right. Nice going, Jim. Okay, thanks. You got a couple you know, of those I in your. Well, we didn't have those around here. Yeah, you know, those are one of the birds that uh, have kind of moved up, moved north over the years. Uh, used to really be a southern bird, along with uh, what cardinals and mockingbirds, and uh, quite a number of other uh, species. Carolina wrens, a classic uh, example, I think, that have moved uh, northward. We can talk about uh, climate change, maybe. We can talk about more people feeding birds. Lots of reasons, maybe. But they are definitely up here. You know, while I've got you on the line, I have another suggestion for bird strikes. Okay. Um, Leave your screens in. Leave your screens down, okay, in the wintertime, yeah. Leave your screens in. Yeah, I mean, even if they crash into the screen, they're probably just going to bounce off of those anyhow. Yeah, exactly. In fact, they sell you know a commercial uh, product that that's kind of uses that same concept, so that the birds will bounce off instead of crashing into a really hard surface. I think they're made to have you know a little bit bigger space, maybe than a window screen would have, sure. so that there would really be that kind of a cushioning effect uh, uh, for the birds. But uh, anyway, that's that's that might be a good idea. Have you tried that? Um. Well. Yes and no. <laughs> we, you, you forgot to put the, the screens windows, up. 
Yeah, we take the screens <laughs> off in the winter generally, and we don't have okay. too much trouble with yeah. bird strikes. Every once in a while, we'll get one, but not that many. Well, good to know. And Jim, it seems yep. to get seems to get less than what we found. Also, is if they if they if they hit the the ground and maybe if they land on the deck, just leave them alone, and they often often yep. wake up. Often they do, right. Jim, thank you, and uh, congratulations again. Stay on the line. We'll uh, send that uh, the Droll Yankees feeder out to you. Wonderful. All thank right. you. Thanks, Jim. Tough to Titmouse, kind of interesting because they are known to pluck fur and hair from living animals to line their nests. They've been known to do this with raccoons, possums, mice, woodchucks, squirrels, rabbits, livestock, pets, and even people. That's what they say. I've never seen that happen or heard directly about it. Maybe you have. But in any case, we have run out of time for our show this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you'll visit our website, TalkingBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Executive producer Mark Duffield, associate producer Debbie Bleacher, our engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. For Lane's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.